Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ghost Spider Groupies, the podcast dedicated to Gwen Stacy of Earth-65, also known as Spider-Gwen and Ghost Spider, where we review her comics, discuss news, and give our opinions about all things Gwen-65. I'm Pax. And I'm Abigail. So today's episode, we don't really have a weekend update since we did a whole list of that last week, and so far, nothing new has been announced so far, so we're just going to dive into this week's read. Yeah, we are reading a brand new Ghost Spider Gwen 65 material. Um, Well, not exactly Gwen 65. No, not Gwen 65. Gwen of an unknown Earth. Um, Last time we read the end of Spider Gwen Shadow Clones, a five-issue miniseries uh, set on Earth 65. Seemingly not using it still. Um, And we're all done with that now. We're moving on to Spider Gwen... Well, no. Let me get this right. It's what if dot 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 question mark dark Spider Gwen issue number one. This is a one shot alternate universe riff on the Gwen six one six death of Gwen Stacy and uh, Spider Gwen story. It is. I'm going to be specific with the credits here because there's some funky writing credits at the beginning. If I can find them. The plot is by Jerry Conway, who listeners will know as the architect behind the death of Gwen Stacy, and Jody Hauser. The script is by Jody Hauser. The artist is Ramon F. Box. The colorist is D. Cunif. And the letterer is VC's Ariana Maher. Um, that's our creative team that we are going to get to know today. And yeah, this is. Um, I don't expect this to be part of any greater thing. This will be a one and done issue. So this will be a one and done podcast episodes cover it. Um, And we would urge all listeners to read this issue for yourselves before listening to our podcast episode today. Um, If you, uh, wherever comics sold, comicsology.com, your local comic book store, uh, we will leave links in the description on where to buy it and read it digitally. But yeah. So uh, should we start our synopsis then? Yeah, so we'll read this synopsis just to get everybody on the same page. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, let's do it. All right. So um, we begin. So in a universe that has so far followed a similar trajectory to Earth-616, the Green Goblin knocks an unconscious Gwen Stacy off the Brooklyn Bridge. Peter decides not to shoot a web to catch her and instead jumps after her, catching her mid-fall and web-swinging from there to stop their fall before they hit the water. He is only momentarily successful, however, as the goblin cuts his lifeline and the two tumble further, catching one of the stands at the base of the Brooklyn Bridge before it meets the water. Peter, still clutching Gwen, is the one to break the fall and is killed by the impact. They bounce off into the water below, the shock of which wakes Gwen. She finds Spider-Man's body floating close by and swims over, attempting to rouse him and simultaneously finds out about Peter's secret identity and his death. Goblin gloats over them, letting her live and gliding away. Gwen strips Peter of the Spider-Man costume so that his dual identity would not be uncovered, but she keeps his mask. Following Peter's funeral, Gwen goes to his apartment with Harry. She sits in his room for a while before stirring to action and digging through his stuff until she finds a Spider-Man costume and web shooters. 
She puts together an outfit with her iconic green coats and unsuccessfully tries web swinging. Gwen goes to Harry for help in developing her plot to take revenge on the Green Goblin and in doing so reveals Peter's secret identity to him. With her father's handgun and some help from an unknowing Mary Jane's theater supplies, Gwen and Harry set a trap for the Goblin. They bait him out by using Spidey's signature webbing to put up a poster at the place where Peter died with the address of their trap. The Green Goblin goes to the location directly, an abandoned warehouse, where Harry detonates a web bomb that stops and sticks Green Goblin mid-flight. Gwen raises the gun to kill Goblin but drops it to the ground after reflecting on Peter's heroism and choices to avoid lethal methods. This isn't good enough for Harry though, who picks up the gun, shoots and kills the Goblin. However, in Goblin's final gasps, it quickly becomes apparent that he is Norman Osborn and that Harry has unwittingly killed his own father. He is furious and blames Gwen for his error. Gwen runs away, throwing the gun into the river. Time passes. Harry turns to supervillainy and the Green Goblin identity in lieu of his father, while Gwen tries to move on. However, after seeing the monster that she helped create in Harry, Gwen decides to keep wearing the mask and decides she has to make good on her mistakes. And I guess that this is uh, Spider-Gwen, the vanilla version? Oh, it's so vanilla. It's so basic. It's so, uh Yeah, like, um, when I first uh, saw the solicit for this story, um, I was expecting a totally different story. Um, I thought that um, Gwen after Peter died, would just go on a murderous rampage against uh, his rogues gallery just because this is called What If Dark. Uh, so basically, I'm expecting serial killer Spider-Gwen. I don't know. I think, I'm not going to lie. I feel I feel like that What If um, series Spider's Shadow by Chip Starsky maybe set a bit of an intense expectation of this branding. The What If series doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that whoever takes on the mantle becomes a serial killer um but it would have been interesting because that that would sell the dark part yeah i just i'm i'm a little surprised they chose to go in this direction um like she doesn't have spider powers exactly um um, because peter's web shooters were specifically designed for his spider strength and my and gwen is just She's able to operate it no problem. She doesn't even have the upper body strength to web swing. Yeah, like um, the you know even even like uh, a very very strong person is is like the most exceptionally like zero point one percentile person is not gonna have the upper body strength needed to take the kind of like shock that the upper body is going through when it's web slinging like. The, the presumption the whole time when that was happening was it was Peter's spider strength. So, like, to not give her spider powers, but then make this big thing about her getting these web shooters. And then also, like, she never actually does web sling. Like, you never actually see her swinging. She so tried never actually... to do the same thing Miles did when he was first trying to uh, jump across the building, but then chickened out. Yeah. Um, and just, um, generally speaking, there is a lot to get into with, with Gwen... 616's mentality around Spider-Man. Um she really um, she had a hatred of Spider-Man. She yeah, she really despised him and I'm I'm kind of shocked at how 
quickly she kind of veers towards taking up his mantle. Yeah, because I thought she would have some sort of um, internal conflict because uh, what weighs more, her love for Peter or her hatred of Spider-Man? And he, she just quickly gets over it like it was nothing. Yeah, um, there is, uh, there is, and we've spoken about this on a couple of occasions, in the Clone Conspiracy event, Dan Slott retcons in a moment during Gwen's fall while she's unconscious. No, not even during while while she's falling. While she's still on top of the bridge where she like kind of like partially wakes up, she stirs enough to find out about Peter's identity and kind of reflect on how unfair the entire situation is. And it is unfair because she's kept completely out of the loop of everything and she is, you know, right to to like in that comic, right? be upset that peter was secretly spider-man and and so little of that you know like i felt like reading that like it really felt like it kind of added on to that story uh, but reading this um it feels quite absent honestly to to think of the uh, to think of gwen just kind of living her life so i don't know like but with the whole um, um, eavesdropping thing, you could argue that those were memories implanted into Clone Gwen by the Jackal. Yeah, that's true. Like, I also, I don't think Jerry Conway has read anything Dan Slott has written uh, personally on that front and remembered it at the very least. Um, well, well Jodie Hauser was also in this too. But... Jodie Hauser could have read it, yeah. But yeah, it seems like um with like two different co writers um on this story um, and yet uh this isn't what Spider Gwen isn't supposed to be because I thought she was just gonna get her Earth sixty five costume at the end of the story like when she wants uh to replace Peter as the new Spider Hero, but she just goes um it's pretty tacky her costume it's just her death coat over. Uh, one of Peter's spare Spider-Man costumes. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. Um, it's possibly one of the closest depictions of of Spider Gwen to maybe Dan Slott's original concept work, and I think it would have worked. I think it would have really benefited from like a big cover that helped kind of build hype for it. Uh, but Greg Land, he was so busy stenciling, sorry, sorry, copying the, the amazing Spider-Man ending for this, that like nobody told him that this, like she wasn't going to be wearing her typical outfit. So he's got a big floating Gwen Stacy head on this cover. And it's only called Spider-Gwen this one shot just because it's, I think it's branding. Well, this is certainly a spider Gwen. Like this is a Gwen Stacy who is a spider person. I don't. I don't doubt that. I just. I think it's. Um. It's missing. I don't think she would be accepted into the council. Maybe not. And and it is a little strange. Um. I will also say, like, to call it Dark Spider Gwen, right? And and this is without saying how they have to do it too much, right? Like, I don't want to write a whole different story. But generally speaking, it has to deviate a lot from Gwen's story, and and hers follows a lot of these same beats in terms of tone. I don't think this story is particularly much darker. 
than the standard Spider-Gwen story of, you know, Peter dying, Gwen becoming very uh, embittered about it. Yeah, the plot is kind of like um, if uh, Jerry Conway and Jody Hauser went up to Jason Latour and they were like, hey, man, can we copy your homework? And Latour is like, sure, but just make it different so it doesn't seem like that you copied me. It, it is the major story beats, and even more so than I thought, because I kind of knew going in, right, like, I knew they were going to do the, oh, yeah, Peter has died, Gwen is really upset about it, she's going to, you know, be really determined to be the spider person over it, um, but also, they, they include Harry Osborn coming into the picture and turning into Green Goblin over Peter's death, and um, I, I, I was really surprised they went in that direction, like, I don't get the sense that um, that really when they were setting out this plot here that they had like just come off a reading of um, Spider-Gwen comics and decided to make a darker version of it. It kind of feels like they read the death of Gwen Stacy and went, okay, how can we make this into a story about like Gwen living instead of Peter? And if like you're interested in that, like if you want uh, like a one shot of like Gwen Stacy trying to come to terms with her grief over Peter's death, if that's like an interesting like kind of fanfic type concept to you, I do think that this issue delivers on that. Like I don't. But certainly it's very far removed from perhaps what a lot of people would expect from a book called Dark Spider-Gwen. Because Spider-Gwen tonally is just, you know, doing all of this as a, 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 and also at like a, like, a, like a plot point for plot point level as well. Yeah, I feel like, um, like with the dark aspect, like I'm just going to say, I think if I was the one who was writing the story, like I mentioned before, just to sell the dark aspect, I would make it that Gwen actually goes through with uh, killing the goblin earlier in the issue. And then in her grief, yeah, she just becomes a serial killer going after Spider-Man's rogues gallery. But why you're you're so you're so fixed on this serial killer thing what what is it with it's, with, it's, it's interesting you've been watching too much criminal minds uh but uh at least it's gonna sell the dark part but hey again i'm not a writer i just make pretty pictures yeah i i just um yeah no i mean i do get it's like it's just it's just strange concept to push yeah. and then and then go with in the end this does not do what it says on the cover yeah. or at um, least to write in a way that she gets spider power so she doesn't get herself killed yeah i will also say just like the the you know and it's not like right like the book could have gone into like um maybe a bit of of detail about that but like honestly like this is a book where gwen doesn't do any crime fighting like gwen doesn't do any web slinging gwen doesn't get into any fights she doesn't throw any punches she doesn't talk down anybody from a ledge she doesn't save anybody from a burning building um gwen's entire superhero career in this consists of laying a trap for the green goblin with harry osborne um where her role was to shoot harry osborne sorry norman osborne sorry the green goblin uh, once he was trapped by Pete's invention, which she then proceeds to not want to do, and then Harry finishes it off, and 
that that is it. Like that is that it. Like in terms of her like being Spider Gwen, like that is all of her superhero activity. Like that is that is all it is. She gets dressed up in this outfit to point a gun at a guy and then not shoot him. And like there there was a lot of things they could have done with the. Is it four? Is this forty pages? Yeah. There was a lot of things they could have chosen to do with 40 pages and there were lots of choices they could have given Gwen and there were lots of ways they could have gone about this but just generally speaking like it just felt so dissonant to read this character who kind of hated Spider-Man dress up as him like brandish a gun from a few pages and then just kind of do nothing and like Harry is the more interesting character here, hundred percent. Yeah, I think he's the dark part of what if dark kids. I also have to uh, point out that this is around the same time that he was still on drugs. Yeah, there. This is um. So we reviewed the death of Gwen Stacy uh, earlier this year with the Supple Boys, and this is like a huge part of the death of Gwen Stacy kind of arc era, whatever. Um, where Harry is is uh is in the very sort of medically inaccurate drug addiction uh, that Jerry Conway was portraying back then. And um, they chose not to touch on that here, which was maybe a good move, but certainly him deciding to just kind of become the Green Goblin because his dad turned out to be the Green Goblin and he shot him was very rushed logic, it felt. Um, and, and I don't, yeah, I don't know if they needed to quite execute it in that way, you know? And then Harry has the nerve to blame Gwen for... He was the one who shot his dad. Yeah, he was. And definitely there's a lot of moments in superhero comics and just fiction generally where, like, the bad guy does something evil and and feels so bad about it or something bad happens. And they, they, like, they had the whole thing in... Um, Shadow Clones has this has Lila's character blame Spider Gwen uh for the death of of her partner, but the reality is that obviously it was maybe her fault for not getting her partner somewhere safely. It was this whole thing, like that kind of made sense because you could kind of see how that person convinced themselves out of their guilt. Uh, whereas here, or like with Eddie. Uh, I have to jump in with Eddie because he blamed Spider-Man for ruining his uh, journalistic career. But in reality, Eddie didn't want to take responsibility that he relied on on an unreliable source for his story. Yeah, certainly like it felt that they didn't give Harry that kind of plausible like deniability of guilt because cause he is the one to shoot his dad like there's no way around it he picks up the gun and he shoots him the gun like and he's very keen on it he makes a whole point about wanting to do it and then he backs out of it and just generally speaking as as a character moment for him to like commit to that and then immediately like blame Gwen for it who didn't want to do it kind of it reads really awkwardly and it doesn't line up very well for his character and then, but at least what's in line is that he becomes the next Green Goblin. Yeah, and I understood that as a natural point of progression that they wanted to end on. But I, I think they maybe should have gone with a story where he had maybe more cause for that to happen. Yeah, 
but um at least the story wise um kind of makes sense from Gwen's perspective as to why she's now in further guilt because um in the 616 yeah she and Harry are also best friends so it's another trope of uh your best friend has become now your worst enemy yeah um friends to enemies trope is is painful um yeah i i thought this was um yeah interesting interesting choices for these two characters we do still get a bit of of other people um we get we get to see how spider-man dies in this which i thought was interesting yeah the nexus event you know as what the mcu would call it instead of just using one of his webs to grab gwen's leg he actively jumps after her just to catch her yeah um this actually works i want to be clear like spidey figures out how to save gwen stacy falling without snapping her neck pretty well which is to dive after her catch and then web sling from there um that's what andrew garfield did in no way home right um and the it only goes wrong because the goblin cuts the line and i think in this way the goblin is kind of doubly responsible not just for knocking someone off the bridge but then for making sure that they cannot be caught properly yeah and then Um, peter hits his head on one of the bridge pillars yeah this was this was really awkward and it was difficult to describe for the synopsis i remember uh but basically uh he it's not the fall on the water it's this weird bit of brick he he hits his head on the way down that is what kills him and and it's kind of that also felt quite anticlimactic but then again i suppose so was gwen's death initially yeah but um but with the whole narration about how um well, every narration in this book. I'm sure I'm not the only one who has Jeffrey Wright's watcher voice in their head when reading the narration. Uh, I, you know, honestly, I forgot What If came out uh, until you mentioned it just then. But now that you do mention it, yeah, we love Jeffrey Wright. Um, it's like time, space, reality. It's more than just a linear path. Yeah, I, I'm I'm actually quite surprised that following that series, they they haven't actually managed to get many what if series out. I feel that would be a bit of MCU synergy. That would make sense that they've they've kind of failed on. I guess it's because um you know the OG Watcher you know Uatu, which is what um the MCU uses. Uh, he's dead in the six one six. He is dead. It doesn't doesn't stop them from doing this kind of anthology branding though, and. There, there have been other what if series. Have you been reading the other issues of what if? I haven't read an issue of what if since um uh like other than Chip's Spider Shadow issue, the, the last proper what if branding was, um I think um, what if Peter Parker became the Punisher? Oh, that is a while ago. Yeah, I I think that was four or five years ago. You know, I wonder what the proportion of what if stories are just Gwen Stacy falls off the bridge, but in a different way, or Peter Parker deals with his grief of Gwen Stacy falling off a bridge in a different way. Like, I feel like it's a good chunk of them. Yeah, even though um the only recent what if, like before what if Dark was the Miles Morales one, but you know everyone had a lot of flack towards that. Oh yeah, maybe that's why they start doing what if. Okay, no, I remember that now. What about like? Is there a, like a what if thing, like a what if Venom thing? Oh yeah, I just read that um the other week. Yeah, um, 
this was what if Venom was more of a what if dark story than what if Spider Gwen? What happens in that then? In what if dark Venom? Uh, because this was around the time that Spidey kept the symbiote in the FF headquarters for safekeeping. Uh, but the thing thinking that the symbiote was in distress released it and it ended up bonding to him because it fed on his insecurities of you know um because you know the thing wants um a cure he wants to be, look human again and you know the symbiote's able to grant him that because of its shape-shifting abilities and for some reason the lizard also gets involved he tricks ben into debonding from the symbiote and the lizard takes it for himself and then when ben finds out what the lizard's planning to do to the rest of the fantastic four um it ends up getting reed and sue killed that's very sad and it ends with, you know, the thing, like, reclaiming the symbiote and killing the lizard. Nice. Is there another what-if out as well? There's, um, what um, if... Well, the first one in the in- installment, because of the release schedule, was What If Dark Loki. But, um, I haven't read that story, but, um, the one that's coming next after Venom is What If Dark Carnage, which is basically, what if the Carnage symbiote... Uh, bonded to uh, Cletus's great grandfather four times back, uh, Cortland. So it's like, yeah, what if Cortland Cassidy was also Carnage? Okay. Um, so that's see, I and and it's like I don't want to feel like we're bashing the what if concept too much. I just I really feel like this one just kind of it was a bit of it. It could have been more, and it just kind of wasn't. Yeah, I guess um. Because you know, um, the night when Stacy died—that's that's one of Jerry Conway's, you know, um, most stories. Most story, yeah. I I think I just I don't know. Like, imagine writing something when you're 19 and you just you're never gonna live it down. It is, it is part. It's gonna outlive you. It's gonna be part of the cultural consciousness for for the next generation or two. It's just yeah, like it it, it must be tough. And I also, I don't want to feel like I'm bashing Jerry Conway too much here. Jerry Conway has written Spider-Gwen well. Uh, he wrote a tie-in issue for the first Spider-Verse event, uh, where Spider-Gwen tries to recruit a... Um... Yeah, a Hobgoblin version of Peter. Have we covered it? Did we cover it during the Spider-Verse episode? Yeah. Okay, okay, I just had a moment of panic then. Yeah, so uh, Spider-Gwen tries to, like, recruit this goblinified Peter for the Spider-like verse war, uh, which, you know, he's not a spider totem, but they're trying to recruit him anyway because it's Peter Parker. Um, oh, because he was formerly a Spider-Man. Um, and, and he dies very sadly, and she kind of has to grieve peter again and but she gets a bit more closure this time because she she was kind of helping to redeem him and and i thought that issue was very fine it was at the very least quite interesting and it was doing something interesting with the spider gwen character you know like i don't want this to be like jerry conway for all of his sins can't write or anything because he absolutely can he's written Many excellent comics over the years. Yeah, I even loved uh, his run on Renew Your Vows. Renew Your Vows is very, very good. Uh, he did an excellent Carnage series. Um, like yeah. I want to say about nearly seven, seven, eight years ago, 
Um, and that Connie series was so good. Honestly, I feel like it kind of provided a lot of the foundational work that Donny Cates went on to use for his run in Venom. And uh, yeah, like he's he's put out some really good stuff. Um, and and I don't I don't want it to be like this is just Conway bashing. You know, like he you know I don't I don't want to be that. <laughs> I think we can put a disclaimer saying um, we have no intention to bash Jerry Conway. Yeah. I also wanted to draw attention to uh, the artist on this comic, a uh, Ramon F. Bucks, because the art doesn't feel like a jarring change from the kind of art that we were you know, seeing in the death of Gwen Stacy, nope. like the original one, which is included, uh, the scenes from it are included yeah. at the start of this comic. Yeah, um, I felt like, yeah, Bach, um, he went out of his way to a stick to a style that's reminiscent of something that looks like the 70s. And also, you know, um, a shout out to his colorist, D. Kanif, where, yeah, the colors are um, appropriate for something that looks like it's set in the 70s. Yes. And certainly, you know, reading this book, I, you know, this, this artist had a very uh, good, like consistent look and feel and the character, particularly the way the characters were expressive in their gestures and their expressions. I was very, very pleased. Um, I could take 20 issues of Spider-Gwen that looked just like this. Um, and be very, very happy. I, I would say this was a very, very good job uh, from this artist. But I have to mention that um, Box, because um, I think his art uh, here was slightly different than um, when he did, because he was a guest artist for um, Al Ewing's Venom issue yeah, 22. And yeah, his art looked a little bit different there than in here. Yeah. Or I guess it's just because of the coloring. Yeah, I think I think maybe he's he's trying to make that concerted effort to look like the older art. Um, I think that's maybe why it might be a bit different. Yeah, but you know, yeah, it's pretty solid art. Mm, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, it's not not uh, not a lot else really to mention. Uh, Mary Jane is in this briefly. Yeah, she tries to um like um ask Gwen if she wants to go out for coffee just to comfort her. Yeah, there's Mary Jane was very active in Spider-Man comics immediately following Gwen's death. Like she's a, a huge part of of that era of Spider-Man and Peter's grief process over Gwen, um, because they're both kind of grieving her. Because obviously Mary Jane is Gwen's friend too. But I think it was quite interesting to read this and see Gwen give Mary Jane the cold shoulder. She's kind of iced out of this book um where where possible um yeah because the plot point that hasn't been brought up is that mj knew since day one that peter was spider-man yeah they didn't really use that here did they yeah i guess it's because you know gwen's still grieving you know i guess um mj doesn't want to uh feed the fire that um that you know that her boyfriend was secretly spider-man when gwen had a hatred of spider-man and we also have a bit of Norman Osborn. Yeah, who just um you know, he just comes there to yeah, um effectively he's the direct cause of Peter's death by cutting the web line. Yeah, he just made quite an interesting choice, which was to leave Gwen alive. I guess it's because um Peter was the target. Yeah. It's but like also you know, I don't know, it was 
that was interesting. I think um, he's like, um, I'll let you live, but just so you can realize w- what a failure your boyfriend is. Yeah. And then he gets killed very impromptu by Harry at the end there. So that yeah. was that. Because, um, yeah, you would think that Gwen would pull the trigger because, well, in the Ultimate Universe, uh, you know, Ultimate Gwen was so close to pulling the trigger when she found out that Peter was Spider-Man. Was she? Well, she wanted to, but um, didn't have the heart to actually pull the trigger. On Peter? Of a gun? Not her gun, her dad's gun, because remember, Ultimate Gwen blamed Peter uh, for her dad's death because, you know, her dad was killed by a robber dressed up as Spider-Man. You know, it's coming back to me now. Honestly, I forget how cool Ultimate Gwen was, and we almost never talk about her, and honestly, she is the person who is most similar to Gwen 65 in all of comics, is Ultimate Gwen. Wait, would it be, uh, like, the OG, or would it be her clone? Let's not get into that. They're the same person. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> okay. Um, we've had a couple of comments on this particular issue of Spider-Gwen from X or Twitter. It's Twitter. I don't care what Space Karen is calling it. Yeah. Um, uh, we have from at Exiles of Krakoa. It was a whole new take and I didn't hate it. But it wasn't my fave take because, like, the suit makes a superhero not. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. <laughs> the suit usage was very weird. It like somebody's somebody's dead clothes, you know, and not even from a thrift store. No, because wearing the clothes off of a de- well, she didn't wear it exactly off of a dead person. She just found the spare. Yeah. Um, and also at J.K. is Welsh. A good what if was interesting. Um, I don't know. I think maybe the consensus on the podcast is maybe a bit different from the listeners there. Yeah, probably. Um, oh, oh, it just occurred to me that um, there was one more what if dark story which was actually released. Um, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so it just released today. Uh, what if Dark Moon Knight? Okay, what happened to What If Dark Moon Knight? From what I've uh, heard. Um, yeah, Mark didn't survive his encounter with Bushman, so, um, his, his girlfriend, Marlene, you know, not Layla, Layla was just recently introduced into the comics, but, Mm -hmm. yeah, anyway, um, his girlfriend, uh, Marlene, uh, she becomes, um, a new Moon Knight-esque character, but instead, um, her avatar is Ra. That's pretty cool. Yeah, she becomes the avatar of Ra, so she becomes a new hero known as the Luminary. Oh, that's very fun. Yeah, yeah, that's just what I heard. Nice. Um, so, I mean, I feel like I've kind of stated my thoughts on this issue. Um, do you have anything else left to say, Abigail? I think I've pretty much, yeah, um, yeah, given everything I needed to say about this issue, like what my thoughts were and like... The direction it could have gone versus the one that we got. Yeah. Um, so um, does that already conclude our episode for What If Dark? Should I start closing us out? Uh, yes, please. Yeah, I think honestly without a week Gwend update because we recorded this so close to our previous episode and with how kind of little there was to get into here, I, I think it kind of makes sense. Yeah, and plus this was just a one and done. Yeah, it really was. 
So yeah, the next time we'll be making an episode, we're gonna be reading uh Spider Gwen Annual. This is volume two, number one. And this is of course the tie-in to Contest of Chaos, where Agatha Harkness is pitting select Marvel heroes together to make her new Darkhold, and she decides to pit uh Spider Gwen because she's attending college in 616 and I don't know, for convenience sake, I guess, versus the Tiger Division's White Fox. You know, I was pretty surprised when they first announced the Contest of Chaos teaser, you know, that promo art uh, from Brian Hitch that Gwen was going to be involved in there because I saw her in the background and, you know, I thought, um, you know, our system for getting more Spider-Gwen comics while unexpected just like what if dark and now this new annual like our system seems to be working yeah i mean i feel like the blood rituals have been going pretty well pack shut up don't tell them the secret (laughs) um and uh, okay you might Um, not be hearing from pax the next episode yeah it depends if the the cult of null let me live um (laughs) but yeah but yeah, anyway, yeah, Spider-Gwen Annual Volume 2, number one, part of Contest of Chaos that will be releasing uh, the first week of September, September 6th. So um, we don't have to wait that long. Yeah, uh, please pre-order that from your local comic book store. Please do that. That is how they review the success of their comic books. They're not looking at your Marvel Unlimited reads. They're not looking at comiXology buys or even if you walk into your local comic book store and buy it off the shelf for some reason they really only think a comic is successful if you buy if you pre-order it so if you go into a comic book store and you ask them to buy it's like reserve it for you basically um so please please do that if you have the money and desire to support Spider-Gwen comics. No, you have to. That's how we can get a new ongoing... Well, that's how we got on tour, maybe. Maybe. I, I think a lot of that is the film. I will say this. Uh, we Like, we're in... Um, I, I was previously like very much like, you know, if we get a miniseries here, that's fine. But this year, we're getting nearly like like a mini series and a half you know i don't you know it's not too shabby but yeah you know but since um across the spider verse is um essentially reintroducing uh spider gwen to the audience you know that's gonna you know hype up more interest that you know that she gets you know a new ongoing you know for synergy's sake yeah just as long as um you know we don't have to wait like um at least uh like a year and a half like just for her to get attention again let's hope not i no. i i'm i'm quite pleased that i mean like this year we will have had nine issues of miniseries yeah. uh an annual and this weird one shot that we have just read today but for the annual i find it weird that they're calling it spider gwen annual and not ghost spider annual oh yeah because yeah, this means th- this is technically the third annual of of Gwen sixty five. Yeah, I'd, I'd they have reverted back to the Spider Gwen title, um, since it's fallen under this new editor. Yeah, I guess it's just branding because well, um, I think when I read um because I actually read the Spider Man annual tie in for Contest of Chaos, I think it said Nick Lowe was still the editor. Um, not Nick Lowe, the one under, because Devin Lewis was the one who kind of oversaw the transition to Ghost Spider. It's, it's whoever's taken on, um... Yeah, Kat Gregorowitz is uh, Gwen's current editor. 
Yeah, the, uh, Grigorowicz, who has been on Shadow Clones and Gwenverse, I believe will be like the person who who is doing the kind of like the Spider Gwen part the era that we're in right now. But I think um when um when they decide to officially switch the title back to Ghost Spider, I feel like Devin Lewis is gonna be back at the helm again. Yeah, one can only hope. Um, well, is that uh is that it for now? Are we. Yeah, that's practically it. So yeah, you know, as always, we're gonna you know we're gonna put the links in the description of what to buy and where to read it. And if you had any questions or thoughts on the show, you can email us ghostspidergroupies at gmail dot com, or you can follow us on Twitter. Yes, I'm still calling it Twitter at gsgroupies. We also have a Kofi page if you want to chuck in a few bucks to help us with the maintenance of the podcast. That would be great. Yes, please. Thanks, everyone. I've been Abigail. And I've been Pax. All right. Bye. Bye.